One of the things that crops up time and time again at Fearless uh, Business HQ is around how to acquire new clients. And one of the most productive methods I've found of acquiring new clients is through speaking gigs and events. When I say events, it's events which you cur curate and invite your own guests along, potentially a room full of cold prospects that you can then educate, take on a journey and potentially invite them onto then a consultation and turn them into clients. Now, I've spoken at um, exhibitions probably uh, for about 30 minutes in terms of a talk and off the back of that book booked 10 consultations and sold minimum 10Ks worth of products. So um, this can easily be done and me and my guest are going to dig into this in a lot more detail on today's podcast episode. You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I am super excited to introduce my guest today. It's Nick Hill. He's a sales process specialist and the founder of Serve to Sell. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, Robin. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Well, it's, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for giving up the time for the um, for the show. And I know that our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of um, out of whatever we dig into in the next half an hour or so. Uh, so first of all, um, obviously for those uh, people who don't know Nick, can you just give us a bit of a background about um, sort of Nick? You're you've done a lot of work in events. You've worked with some really um, interesting um, uh, entrepreneurs over over the last sort of um, ten or so years. So just give us a bit of a background. Who is Nick? <laughs> well, Nick is, Nick is a, a Midlands guy, as you can tell from the accent, and I've been quite fortunate, really. I, I stumbled into the, the coaching, training, consulting space, uh, the business growth space. Uh, a, uh, a guy who you, people might know in your audience, a guy called Nick James, who, who got me into this industry of events and you know personal development and, and mentors and gurus. That was all foreign to me. I was from the corporate world and from engineering sales. So that, that's the kind of background I've come from. And I, I kind of ended up working with, um, with Nick and a team of people running some big conferences in the UK. And we were, we were kind of the, the pioneers, I suppose, in, in the UK for bringing over some of the big names, the household names in digital marketing, in personal development, in business growth. And I could reel off, you know, loads of names for you right now, but there's people like Frank Kern, Ryan Dice, Jay Abraham, you know, Gary V, Russell Brunson, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So that's that's what how I got into the space that I'm in now, working with coaches, training consultants, digital marketing agencies, and and we did that for quite a few years. And I learned, obviously I learned a lot about the background of how to fill events, what happens behind the scenes at events. You know when people are selling from stage, how to profit. You know how to maximise profits from an event, uh, and then you know we ran that for a, in I would say probably four or five years, and then from then. I've grown a couple of businesses with other people, which are more kind of seminar focused rather than big events, smaller events, uh, but more regular intervals and quite profitable actually. Uh, so done that. And then really that's brought me into what I'm doing now, which is, you know, teaching others 
the sort of systems and processes that are required to drive that kind of marketing, uh, get bums on seats and, and make money out of events, but do it in a way that's clearly serving clients and, and giving people a great experience. Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? And you mentioned some like big, big names there. And I can imagine that it was an awful lot of fun getting those guys to come over and um, talk. What sort of size events are we talking here? Because it must be sort of a few hundred or a few thousand people even. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we ever went over a thousand, to be honest. Uh, but I think given the fact that the UK audience and, and the niche market really is quite small in the UK as opposed to America. If you think someone like Ryan Dice, someone like Gary Vee, the kind of audience they've got over in the States and the kind of the size of events that happen over in States. I mean, I don't know if you've been to any, but I've been to a few in America and you're talking like three, four, five thousand people at times at some of their events. So for us, we were kind of around, a good event was about 600, 700. A great event was probably more like 900 to 1,000. That's the kind of number we're talking about at our conferences. Well, it, I, I have been to a sort of, uh, not in the States necessarily, but over here in the UK, I've been to a few sort of larger events. One of them actually was a Gary V event, uh, which a friend of mine, Dan Meredith, um, set up an event at the old York Hall. In I know I know Dan, yeah. yeah <laughs> I know Dan. Time, really good guy. Um, he runs a group called Coffee with Dan, which is well worth anybody checking out if you're sort of uh, in the coaching space. Absolutely. Um, but I remember when Gary V came over, A, a he delivered a a ton like a metric ton of value it was just it was it was absolutely unbelievable and you look at those big events and you think oh gosh these guys must be absolutely creaming it in but I think one of the big the com- most common misconceptions I see from events is that actually you don't really make much money from those events themselves it's actually in the upsell isn't it so talk to us a little bit about that yeah you're right so the model for an event that we were running at the time was essentially about making sure that we could break even from a point of people attending the event. So from a, we've got a bunch of people in the room, we've got 700, 800 people in a room for two to three days. The cost of marketing, the cost of venue, the cost of speakers and the cost of staffing and resources, that would be, even with the ticket sales that we used to sell to get people in the room, which in some of those events could be anywhere from £150 upwards to about £400, depending on ticket level, and sponsors, we would rarely make any money out of that event up until the point of the event itself, where the real profit that was made was from sales from stage or sales after the event. So a couple of different ways that we'd do that. We wouldn't do a pitch fest because, you know, people are paying a few hundred pounds to attend the event the last thing they want to do is sit there for three days and just oh, listen yeah. to <laughs> it's that thing it brings a little bit of sick <laughs> to the back of your throat yeah. oh no here we go <laughs> so we like to pride ourselves on the fact that the event themselves would be a mixture of content only speakers and where somebody had an amazing product an amazing service to offer let's talk about someone like frank kern coming to the uk for the first time you know people would want to invest in one of his products or services. It would be uh, a massive error if he didn't offer anything in that event because people had turned up to see what he got to offer. So, so something like that, we would maximize the sales opportunity out of that potential speaking slot. And then around that, we would layer good quality content uh, on a mixture of different subjects around business growth, digital marketing, personal development, you name it. So it was a pretty holistic approach to to business covering all aspects from copy, social media, marketing, digital funnels, and, you know, mindset, attitude, you know, coaching. So, so what would happen is you'd get 
people who would love the event itself they get loads of value out of the content but you know there'd always be people turning up who would want to invest in particular speakers products and services if they've got a great offer to make on the day let's say frank kern's got a product he sells online he wants to sell it at a discount our event that's the kind of offer that we would look at and we would negotiate that with a percentage of you know 50 50 split normally speaker sales and we would negotiate that before the event to make sure that was all kind of done and dusted knowing full well what was going to be delivered at the event in terms of what sales opportunities so that was that was speaker sales that's the stuff that you know other speakers would bring into our business that would make us money and then money the other the other elements were income from continuity so membership products digital products we would always have a membership site or a membership product that we would offer at our events which was low value 50 pounds a month something like that that people could get in access to at the event and that was really great for people who would come along maybe didn't have the the resources to invest in frank kern's 1000 pound training course but wanted to get something as an accountability tool or an ongoing training after they'd been to the events. That was a really um, awesome way to build continuity. And we grew a business off the back end of that as well that used to generate a significant profit. And the other part of it we used to sell was things like masterminds. So we, we had our own mastermind that we used to run and we would promote that at the events and, and sign people up to those masterminds. Then they would pay us, you know, it's a high ticket mastermind that people yeah. would join. And I yeah. was going to say, like, for Frank Kern at £1,000. Wow, that must have been a while ago. I'd be like, right, Frank, I need 50 of those, like one for each of my clients, please. <laughs> yeah, so he, sold, he actually sold. It was an amazing pitch. I'll, I'll talk you through it quickly because I think you, you'll love this. Go so, he, in the morning, he did one uh, session for an hour or so. And then, at the end of that session, he sold one of his products for £1,000 or 995 or, or whatever it was at the time. That was the first pitch. People were bought that. I think about 60 people in a room of about eight, 900 bought that product. So I was like, okay, not too bad, not too shabby. Um, I was expecting a little bit more actually. So after lunch, he came back again, did another piece of, another great piece of content, another presentation, and then he sold another product. But the, the amazing pitch then began because he then started to say, okay, for the people that bought my other product this morning, you, if you buy this one, you're going to get that for free. So if you've spent £1,000 this morning on product A and you buy product B now, product B is yours. You've got it. Anyone who buys product B now for £1,000 as well, you're going to get product A. And anybody else who wants to get involved, you can. So basically, it became like a two-for-one offer on, on that product. But then, obviously, and you get a rush of people then who go, okay, I'm now going to get product B for a thousand pounds and product A. And then the people who got product A really happy they'd spent a thousand pounds in it with two products. Nice. See, I'd never thought to maybe hit an event with or hit a speaking gig with two different offers. Um, I'd always be concerned that that might confuse things, but I guess if it's done in the right way and to a warm audience, I guess it can be incredibly effective. <laughs> one, one of the things I'm thinking as well is like, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan, you know, our audience is all co mostly coaches, consultants, freelancers, and I'm a big yeah. fan of telling people to put on events, it, not necessarily even paid events, even free events is a great way of kind of building up trust and um, letting, showing people what you can actually do. And there was, a, there was kind of two things which I, like big learnings, which, which I got, and you've probably seen like a dozen more things that you could probably talk about. But the, the two main things that I learned were, one, don't wait till the end of your talk to pitch. 
pitch pitch your products like as close to the start as you can once you've done the credibility authority piece then tell people about your products and then go right we'll park that now here's the really valuable stuff and then if you're interested hey book a call at the end of it so that was kind of like and what the moment i did that like my conversion rate on speaking gigs doubled like literally overnight um it was very because people then have yeah. got they're, they're pre-armed for an hour to think about it and then when you get to absolutely the end, and actually you don't do the hard sell you just say hey look if you liked what you heard about my product at the start well hey why don't you need to book in a call with me so- absolutely i think it i think i've seen that many many times and and from an audience perspective and from your from anyone who's a coach trying to consult right now listen to this who who looks to do events or is doing events and they're trying to maximize profit from events you've got to remember that if you've got something of value to offer to your audience, you're a coach trying to consult, you're an expert in your field, it's okay to make an offer if it's done in the right way because you're serving your client in the best possible way by giving them that offer. And I think you're right, getting that out of the way at the start, it takes the pressure off everyone. It takes the pressure off the speaker. It takes the pressure off the audience because you've, You've told them what what the table, and then you're going to get back to the content and get back to delivering great value. But but you're not waiting until the end <laughs> to do that cliche run to the back of the room to get hold of these products, which you know people switch off from that and they kind of expect it now. So you have to kind of address that early on in your presentation to overcome that subconscious objection that your audience yeah, is going to have. I'm not. I'm people know that I'm one for naming and shaming sometimes. So I'm going to say it. But oh, was, cool. I think there was an event. I think it was called Expert Empires or something like that. And it like there, some of my colleagues went to it and they were just like it was disgusting like the whole pitch fest thing and um i might not but i hate i I shouldn't do that i'm gonna have to do my homework before i actually um before i publish this just to make sure that's right but i'm pretty certain they were just like it's like every speaker runs to the back of the room like sell 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 and i'm just like you know if you do if you do the pitch up front with the product and you get it right people then can work out whether what you deliver as valuable content the serving part of it actually tallies up with the product you're offering because quite often i've noticed that kind of people will talk about one thing and then almost sell something completely different at the end of it and that you then end up with that kind of incongruency yeah and the other thing as well you've made a good point about that about this this pitch fest approach when you're in an event and you're going to sell anything and you're bringing in other people to sell products at your event, the, the critical aspect that is you have to make sure that what they're selling aligns to the audience type. Yeah. It's like getting somebody into a room, uh, you're talking about spiritual coaching and then there's a guy there selling Forex trading uh, courses, you know, it, it has to align to the audience. Otherwise, it is going to, even if they do it really well, it's going to, it's going to come across like a pitch fest. So, yeah. I think from that basis, there's, there's three events. I think you've mentioned them already. There's three models that I've done that work really well. You've got your premium, high ticket, no selling from stage whatsoever kind of event, which is going to be in the thousands of pounds to access because essentially what's happening is you're going to immerse yourself in two, three days worth of absolute training content workshop practical event and that's fine and that kind of event you know carries a premium price tag and they're well worth running as well i believe um you know not seeing anything and that's the kind of event that you know someone like dan meredith would be looking at running which is awesome then you've got your event which is your mixture of the two you've got a mixture of content and selling but the selling being done in the right way um, with the right quality product at the end of that with the right offer for the audience uh, so that's the, that's the kind of mid-ticket range where you're still going to charge for people to attend that event but you're not necessarily going to charge a thousand pounds and then your other event which is what you've already mentioned which is your free event and i think free events that 
for me, if I'm running a free event, I'd want that to be an event that's solely focused on my business. I wouldn't want to do a free event and then get a load of the speakers in because that's the kind of event that becomes a pitch fest for sure. Yeah. Well, unless you're representing obviously the same organization. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're running a free event, effectively, in my experience, we had a business that was running, uh, you know, book yourself solid. Yes. By the way, people should check that book out. An amazing book for coaches, trainers, consultants, Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. We ran a workshop of Book Yourself Solid. We had the the lead trainer who did all of Michael Port's uh, seminars in America. He's actually an English guy called Matthew Kimberley, who's an awesome guy. He, He would run the training for us. It was a free event. And the only offer that was made at that event was uh, a Book Yourself Solid product, an online product, an online course that people could go through, which is a premium course. And that was a free event. So they'd have half a day of content from Matthew. And at the end of that day, the offer was a Book Yourself Solid product. And I think that used to work really well. It was not not a pitch fest. It wasn't confusing. It was really clear. There was loads of value and a great offer at the end of the event. Yeah. I, it's funny, actually. I've had, I've had um, a couple of sort of um, uh, interesting experiences, actually. I, I, uh, so I, I run a, I a small local networking event, but obviously I, I curate the speakers who come in. Um, you know, we get two speakers at each event and it's, it's run every other month. We've been doing it for three years. So I've kind of been in touch with sort of 25 plus, you know, local speakers. And it's interesting to watch how they all go about approaching a, a, the event itself, B, how, the, how they deliver their talk, and then three, the sales process. And I remember I was one, one person who came, I'm not going to name and shame this person, it's not fair <laughs> on her, but um, well, I've just narrowed the audience down by 50% there. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but she, I, I was very explicit with her. She, she'd written this fantastic book, and I said, look, please, um, I'd love you to come do the inspirational slot, and please just spend the 20 minutes like talking about your book, because I think people will really, really um, love that story. And then it's up to them to come and, and, uh, and a couple, she sent a across her, her talk and I said right X whatever her name was uh, yeah you're not gonna t- she she was a sales trainer I said you're not gonna talk about sales are you and she said no 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 I said cool I just want to make it clear what I'm booking you for is to come and talk about your book anyway she starts speaking and she did 20 seconds intro about herself and her book and then it was then it was put she went into pitch fest it was disgusting oh, um, no. she she said oh I've got this five-step process for sales she gave away the first two steps and said if you want the other three you're gonna to have to buy it and I was like um oh, I, I could have been a rip off the page <laughs> at that point but obviously I'd look, but she made me look like an idiot anyway afterwards she came up to me how was it how did it go and I know she hadn't done many speaking I, I just said look I said it was fucking embarrassing I'm not, I'm not gonna lie <laughs> so I told I, I, I in the in the materials it was all about your book i told you to speak about your book you spoke about it for 10 seconds and then you just vomited all over my audience i said yeah you're not going to get anything off the back of this i said you know and i would never book you again to speak i was just bluntly blunt with yeah you. makes sense so what was the um i suppose what was the learning for you from that experience because i've had that we've had that experience with our bigger events what was the learning for you well, for me, I, I guess from that point, I, I had put together a set of uh, really clear and explicit speaker guidelines. You know, I just made it clear that, you know, if, if, um, if I got wind that you were going to be talking about something else, whether it's in the slides or something like that, I would just pull you off stage and I'd do the talk. Um, and and I, I was just very kind of brutal about it. And yeah, I, makes that, sense. At that point forward, we've had a much better quality of, of, um, of speaker. And, and also like they've, because they've been, um, they get it. Um, they engage, they actually get clients off the back of it. You know, and we're talking about a small local networking event of like 50 to 60 people. Absolutely. You know, the, the other, in fact, funnily enough, same person. So obviously we, 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 done a bit of work together on various 
things, and this is why she ended up speaking at my networking event. But um, just before that, and this is where alarm bells actually started triggering for me. Uh, you'll enjoy this story. So I, I know when I put on a free event, free to attend a like, seminar, two hours seminar where I'm kind of coach, helping to coach people and introduce them into the coaching journey and help showing them a couple of ideas about how they can improve their businesses. I know that if I, if I book a hundred people, probably only 50 or 60 will show up because that's yeah. what happens with free. Yeah, well. absolutely. So in the same building, same day, the same woman was running a free to attend event because we chatted about it. And we both came out and actually had a, um, you know, she, she caught me on my way out and she said, oh, how did your event go? It's brilliant. You know, got 60 people in the room. You know, it's like I've been oversubscribed with calls, books, and this, and I was like, it's fantastic. She turned around and she went, oh, mine was terrible. It's like, really? Why? Uh, you, you know, you did everything that we kind of talked to. Oh, it was, it was, it was shocking. I couldn't believe it. only 20 people showed up. I was like, cool. Well, you, you did, you did, you booked 40 seats, but you did book 80 tickets, didn't you? Hmm. Oh no, no, no. I, I, I got to 40 and then I, I, I panicked because I thought if there were too many people, uh. right. But, but you still got 20 people. Oh yeah. But 20 people didn't show up. I was like, cool. You're focusing on the wrong 20 people. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And doesn't understand, doesn't understand the, the numbers behind an event, uh, clearly. So you know, you need to, an event, you need to have clear expectations when you're in an event of what the numbers are going to be. And I think that's where you need some, where people need guidance. It's, they have an expectation. Like we'd have, we used to run a business which was helping people to promote their events, you know, it's putting bums on seats. So, and we had clients who we'd work with and their expectations coming into working with us would be like, I'm going to run my first event. I'm going to run it for 300 people. And it was like, whoa, hang on a minute. You know, um, that's not going to happen. You, you, no one knows you. You're starting from scratch. You might have a bit of attraction as a coach, consultant, whatever, and you're kind of scaling up to becoming, a, becoming more of an events person or events business. But this is going to need time. And these are some of the realistic numbers. Like you said, there's a show rate for a – there's a show rate average for even when people are spending up between 100 and 400 pounds. And let me tell you now, it's not 100%. It's not even 90%. So – there's an average for a free event, which is more like an industry average show rate percentage for a free event is something like 20, 25%. If you're getting anything over 20, 25% in your free event, you're doing a really good job. That, that's just a fact. That's actual, you know, we've run thousands of events and that's the typical kind of percentage you're looking at. Yeah. So, so and, and, you know, clearly, you know, you want to do better than that, but that's just the expectation level that people should have if they're running a free event is what likely if they're going to do a hundred registrations, if they get more than 25, 30 people in the room, they've done okay. They've not yeah. bombed. Well, and boom, that's, I'm doing well. I got 50% or more. So, hey. Well, there you go. So I think, and it depends on the type of event. Like you said, it's, if it's a local event, if it's a targeted local network and it's running for a while, then you'd expect to get more if you've got good backend systems for follow-up and automation to make sure people turn up on the day and there's an incentive for them to get there. All these things contribute towards show, right? But from a blanket approach, you'd be looking at about 25%. You know, if you didn't have any of those things in place, that's what you'd expect to get. And it is a bit of a lottery and that's why we used to work with businesses to help them with their back-end follow-up, their automation, their copy and their marketing. And clearly, Robin, you're a, you know, you're a marketing guy, so I'd expect you to be a, having a good angle, a good hook for your events, which is awesome. I did have one guy who showed up and said, I'm just here for the free book. <laughs> That's cool. Stay for the event too. Like, you don't just, have to- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just going back to what you said earlier, I just got a bit of a story to share and the survey there for you and for the audience. So one of the things we used to do in our events uh, was uh, sponsorship packages. We worked out that 
we could make quite a bit of money towards the cost of the event by offering sponsorship, you know, people having tables outside the room itself and putting banners up and all that kind of stuff. So sponsorship packages. And that expanded into having sponsored speakers. So we'd actually get people who wanted to speak our event, but they weren't known to us. And clearly we had a reputation like you have of high quality speakers. So we weren't about to let that get diminished by offering random people the opportunity to speak on stage. But what we did used to do was offer the opportunity for people to pay to play. There's a room of 800 people. You know, if they want to give us uh, some money to have a, a slot in the lunchtime and speak about their product or service, then we'll try to accommodate that to a certain degree. But, I, you know, clearly you have to be careful with that and not offering loads of those because then it can become a pitch fest. Yeah. So one of the stories, we had two horrors with that and, and, and that helped us to make our process better. So a lot of times, like you've had the experience, you have to have the bad experience in order to, you know, in order to optimize the process to make it better for next time. People don't always land with an amazing event or amazing process by accident. Normally, it's from having bad, bad experiences or mistakes happening in the previous events to get them to that point. So we, we had a couple of situations. We had one situation where we had a guy who was, who was a, a, apparently he was a stand-up comedian. He used to do stand-up comedy throughout London, but he was also a, a coach that helped businesses with negotiation skills negotiation conflict so he wanted to come and talk about that which we thought was a great piece of content for our audience uh, given the types of people in the room and he wanted to you know pay us to sponsor us to be there as well win-win we thought got to the event stood up on stage the guy wasn't funny he was absolutely <laughs> petrified <laughs> he was absolutely awful he tried to crack a few jokes he didn't work uh, he rushed his he rushed his content and the poor guy didn't even get chance to pitch because he ran out of time so people were coming back for lunch and he said so that was the opposite to your lady that you've named and shamed i'm naming and shaming my guy who actually didn't even get chance to pitch and paid us money so what we had to do is in the end we had to hustle for him help him with his uh, stand get some sales to the get people to the to his stand and just do a quick kind of look if you want to have a chat with him he's going to be at the stand now everyone come and congregate around his stand we had to help him with his pitch because he was he hadn't pitched and he was going to lose that opportunity and then so we had that scenario so we decided from now on even if people are going to pay us to speak and sponsor us we want video footage of them having uh, spoken to a room of people before and so we can vet them that's that's a great uh, learning by the way if what, I, running... what I love about that as well is though that because clearly you had skin in the game like and you cared yeah. about that guy enough to like you know want to get in get in there and actually like help him yeah out. yeah absolutely we, you know it's our reputation not just our reputation as an events promoter and running an event business, it's also the way he spent money with us. We want him to get ROI. So we did that and we also did an email promotion after the event for him and his business to try and drum up some extra business. And I do think he actually got a couple of clients out of that as well. So it, it did work in the end, but it was just a bit of hustle. And with events, a lot of times is about hustling and kind of pivoting because not if you run an event and think everything's going to go well, that's a foolish mistake. You go into an event being prepared for the worst to happen because that's what will happen. So there was that situation. We also had a lady, the opposite side of that, who was kind of an accomplished speaker who, who got, you know, got a reputation of speaking, but not enough for us to just let them have a, a slot on stage. So again, it was a sponsorship package, but with confidence that this lady's going to do deliver the goods. You know, she's going to deliver good quality content and she's going to make some sales as well. It's going to be a win-win for her and us. Yeah. So we had that. She made a big mistake of coming to the event as a sponsor 
and treating it as a purely as a speaking slot. That was a massive mistake for her. And again, we had to help her on the day because what happened was she got a result out of her speaking slot and neglected the fact that she got a stand at the back of the room for the whole weekend and she didn't bring any books. She got books to set uh, that, you know, she'd written books, she was an author. She didn't bring any books. She didn't bring any banners, nothing. So what she saw in a day was we had another uh, another business who would come and sponsor and they would speak and do really well from stage but what they would also do is they'd have a stand banners books free products tripwire products and they would man that stand for the three days and I'm being honest with you Robin they would do as much business from the stand as they did from stage over the weekend I they would get imagine it and, it, and it's, it's just coming I guess the key thing I take away from that is that go, going into any kind of event whether you're speaking at it exhibiting at it or anything like that with a clear objective like what what's going to be what's going to be a good result um, from from us investing in this event and I think a lot of people kind of go into it. so I get a lot of speakers at my local networking event and actually I, I, I probably was guilty of this when I first started speaking I'd just rock up and speak thinking that they'd taken care of everything yeah. and, and then there'd be like barely anybody there and I was like okay well actually now I know that what I need to do is invest some time before the event helping them to promote it because as Absolutely. a speaker I've got an audience I can bring to them as well and and I think a lot of people like um entrepreneurs these days think that stuff is just easy it's going to be laid on a plate for them yeah and and they don't have to get involved and do any um any work f- for it and I, as, as an example of this I um as a great local event where we're based so it's called the business showcase southwest down at um ashton gate the bristol city football ground yeah no well i went along as a delegate and it was fantastic event really really well run before i knew any of the organizers or anything like that um started going to a local networking group in in bristol and met the organizer of the event he said oh you should come robin you'd be great like come along as an exhibitor so we didn't we just had a stand start off with that went really well we got loads of signups for the books and various things like that next one comes around i was like i'm going to be brave now and i'm going to like i've never really spent money on like what you call a sponsored kind of speaking slot so i thought right this this one i trust the organizer I trust the event it's great delegates i'm going to sign up to it and um off the back of i think there was probably it was full house so there was 40 people in my seminar slot and plus people standing at the back booked i think about 10 calls and then we got three clients off the back of it you know not massive money 10k's yeah. worth of 10k's worth of business but for a thousand pound investment you know for the stand and the speaker slot plus i had somebody helping um to get a 10x roi on it but that was because i leaned in did my research so i looked at the event i i spent an awful lot of um time and energy pr- helping them to promote the event getting other people booked to stands getting yeah. booked onto my seminar slot warming people up giving away free gifts and things like that and it, and it's that time and investment but then Absolutely. i also look at, i look at some of the big events and i um, uh, the big exhibitions, okay, not the sort of stuff which you necessarily run, but yeah. the business exhibitions. Yeah, I get you. And they're pulling people's pants down. Mm. They're charging like five grand for a stand and a speaker slot, and you get like twenty minutes, and and it's it's just like in and out. It's like a meat factory. Oh yeah, they're just churning. It's a business, isn't it? That's a business model in itself. Yeah. And I think I think like you said, the key thing that I've just got from what you've just said, the, sum, the summary of that is, it's about understanding the opportunity 
controlling what you can in that opportunity because ultimately if you're investing your time and money into that opportunity you want an ROI so what can you control uh, within that the parameters of that opportunity that's going to maximize your ROI so I think you've just made a great uh, case for, for people who rock up at events pay to play and they're expecting the result to be hand delivered to them it doesn't work like that and you, you're asking for you, you know you're putting yourself and your business at risk if you're not fully understanding the opportunity, doing your homework and helping uh, partnering with that event or that promoter to get the right outcome for you and for them. It's a win-win. That's it. And it's, and I think a lot of um, coaches, consultants are quite naive. They're, they're very good at what they do. They, produce great results for their clients um, but when it comes to like the marketing side of things understanding what that return on investment is going to be and how to create that return on investment because this is something you've got to learn how to do yeah. I think they naively you know just they just think that it's just going to happen and I think if they you know I, I'd have I'm, I'm well aware of my ability now in terms of like speaking and um, you know getting people interested in terms of uh, booking those calls in so 5k to me is it's it's risky but I know that I would get some kind of return on investment on that but without having attended the show first to go and check mm. it out to yeah. see what the quality of the delegates are actually like. I wouldn't spend that money. And yeah, I just exactly, wonder, yeah. How many people are like dropping that kind of cash, turning up once and having a really bad experience, but because they just don't really fully understand like how, how it all works. It's no different to the person who'd turn around to you, Robin, and say, I won't invest in Facebook ads because I've spent a load of money. It didn't work. Yeah. And, and ultimately we know Facebook ads work. It's a, it's a marketing opportunity. It's a, it's a way to get business, but you have to understand the metrics. You have to understand the parameters. You have to understand the risk versus reward, and you have to understand how to get ROI. It's exactly the same concept. Events is exactly the same. If you're going into a new event, like you said, I would want to go in there and understand what's the kind of show rates, what type of people in the room, what's being sold, you know, and how can you, help them to get the right people in the room as well. How can you joint venture with them? Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. I think it's, it's exactly the same as any, any form of paid advertising or any marketing spend. It's exactly the same. And like, you've got to, you've got to be, I can't remember who, who is the, the famous quote, you know, oh, um, we, we get results from 100% of our market or 50% of our marketing. It's just we don't know which 50% <laughs> it's working or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. And I think um, when it comes to dropping money on events and, and things like that, they definitely work. I definitely encourage everybody to look into it. And even putting on a small local event for like 10 or 20 people, like a little workshop, you will get results from that because as long as your, well, your business is called Serve to Sell. So yeah. I tell you what, talk, talk to me about what Serve to Sell does in a bit more detail and kind of how you help people. Because I know that you're not necessarily just doing the event side of things, obviously now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with a, a quite a, a variety of clients at the moment. Fundamentally, what, what I'm doing now is taking experience I've had from working events and running high ticket consulting and coaching businesses and masterminds. The, the elements of sales that I've been involved in the sales process side of thing, I'm helping clients now transform their sales process to, to systemize, to scale and grow. And as you know, Robin, you know, it, once you've got your marketing churning over and generating leads, the opportunities then to be able to scale from a sales side of things. And a lot of businesses end up continuing to kind of go at sales themselves. And what I'm trying to help clients right now, what I'm passionate about is actually you've got systems in your business right now for marketing. You've got systems in your business for operations and finance. 
there needs to be a system and a process in place as well for your sales activity. And that's how the best businesses grow. They actually systemize and create structured guidelines and roadmaps for how sales need to be done in that business. And it's, again, about the customer journey rather than what the business wants to, to sell. It's about making sure that how you sell aligns to your customer journey and what they want to see and what they want to do in becoming a client with you. So that's what that's what I'm doing now. And I'm working with agencies. I'm working with a few marketing agencies. I'm working with software, uh, SaaS uh, platforms. I'm working with a few bricks and mortar businesses. And I'm working with a few coach training consultants as well. Cool. That sounds good. And I, there was a key word which you used when we were talking about the event side of things. Like once you booked your event, it's the follow-up process. So absolutely, you, the very moment somebody shows and registers an interest in that, whether they actually book or not, whether they've just liked it or shared the event or tagged a mate in or something like that, that's when the follow-up starts before you've even done the event. And I think that again, I, I talk, this is something I talk about an awful lot, Nick. So I could bang, we've only got about five <laughs> minutes left, but I can talk about this all day. But there's this common misconception that the internet has made marketing really easy. But the reality is it's made it really easy to start up a business. And there are 10 times the number of people doing sales training like you do, coaching like I do, web Absolutely. Business, that and the other. So it's actually 10 times harder to get found. And nine out of 10 business owners just do not bother with follow-up in any way, shape or form. They go, hey, I got a thousand likes on my Facebook post, but did they actually like message any of them and say, hey, what was it you liked about that post? Yeah. You know, let's look at an event, for example. You're probably talking six or seven touch points before somebody's going to, uh, if it's a paid for event, before someone's going to book that ticket from seeing your ad, from seeing an email, from seeing the first touch point, that what we call the awareness stage, where they don't know you and you're promoting your event to them. You're talking six or seven touch points in order to them, typically in order for them to, to book a ticket. Okay. And they're not even necessarily going to show up at that point either. They've just booked a ticket. So you only half ticket as well, not yeah. even like the, the high ticket sort of product at the end of it is just yeah and 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 they're not necessarily going to attend either because if they've just bought that ticket and your event's two months away and you don't do a good job of reminding them about the event and follow up them from a uh, an attendee point of view they might not even show up to your event because the reality of it is an event people spending a business owner who spends a hundred pounds a ticket what's the bigger objection you've got a hundred pound a ticket or two days out of the business to attend a seminar you know, the two days is going to always override consciously or subconsciously. So for me, it wasn't necessarily about just selling tickets. And we had a sales team of, uh, you know, four or five people who were drilling the phones every day selling tickets. That was half the battle. The rest of the battle was then about making sure those people then turned up. So yeah. it just shows follow-up is absolutely key in any sales process. And, you know, you've got to align that to marketing and it's got to align then to deliver your product as well. Those three those two things, your marketing, your sales and service, it's a flywheel and those three all need to be joined together and effect in an effective process. You just alluded to something else there, which is the heaven if you do, hell if you don't. And I, I think a lot of people, especially with um, the, the entrepreneurs generally, to find this very difficult to work out, like make decision, sensible decisions. So to give you an example, like they might spend 100 quid or 200 quid or something on a, a one or two day you know, seminar. And then all of a sudden a piece of work comes in that's say worth, I don't know, a thousand pounds or 2000 pounds. So they, they, they take the work and don't go to the seminar, but don't realize that the knowledge they might get out of that seminar, regardless, irrespective of whether they buy another product, but the knowledge they might get out of that seminar that they've just said goodbye to could actually be worth 50 grand to their business. Absolutely. In the future. And so, and that's why I'm, I'm very big on like, well, I, I make my, the seminars the events i run as easy as possible for people to attend um deliver as much value as i possibly can during it and i don't leave them with any question marks about how they invested their time that day yeah 
absolutely. I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there. So in terms of what, well, we're kind of going to, heading towards the end of the interview now but i've got a couple of interesting questions for you yeah um, just to kind of close 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 things down so i'm gonna um we're gonna hop into the fearless business time machine now and we're gonna go back 10 years and i would like to know what what advice you, uh, nick from today would give to nick minus 10 years <laughs> Learn marketing. <laughs> I got into I got into sales. You know that's my background. I was a salesperson. I still am now. We all are really. Um, but I was I was a you know a corporate sales manager director in engineering. I think what what I learned a bit later down the line was the power of marketing doing the heavy lifting in an effective sales process. And a lot of people don't really get that. And I think for me, that's been a massive transformation in my own business, in the clients I work with, and in the businesses that I've grown in the last few years is actually understanding the power of, uh, you know, doing the pre-sale in your marketing before you even talk to a client. And I know you're doing a great job of that right now, Robin. So I think we're on, we're on the same page there, aren't we? I think so. And, and uh, that would be a bit like if you didn't understand marketing, you've got great sales, but you don't understand marketing. It'd be like, hey, I've got an event, but actually like nobody shows up. It'd be a bit yeah. useless speaking to nobody. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Healthy. So you've got to get the marketing <laughs> side of things. Uh, that's a really shit analogy, which I've just given them. <laughs> you understand it and hopefully give them a bit of a giggle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. That, um, honestly, you've delivered so much value, Nick. I really appreciate your time um, today. So how can, if anybody wants to kind of follow this uh, conversation on with you and get in touch with you, how can they, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I've just dug out a free gift, actually. Um, I would love to give people a bit more value on sales process in general. So if there's anyone out there who wants to learn more about, you know, what, what is sales process? How is that going to help me in my business? How, how is that going to help me to grow and scale where I'm at right now? Uh, I've got a guide on my website that it, people can take advantage of go in and get it's free to free to download um so if you want me to i can just read out the url now if you want or go for it yep yep tell give people instructions on how they can get to that so the easiest way to get hold of that is via the website www.serve to sell and that's serve to sell not the number two dot co.uk forward slash guide so i'll just say that again www.serve to sell .co.uk forward slash guide. People can go and check that out. Uh, it's free to download. There's no opt-in required. I'm not a big believer in, in that kind of a, you know, spammy approach, but if people want to take it, have a look at it and they want to get back to me, all my details. And if they want to book a call, they can get through me through that guide anyway. Cool. And I, I you know, because I, I think it would be worthwhile just kind of explain what sort of results have you got for your clients so far? So I'm working with a client right now where I've actually got a case on a website. Again, people can check this out on the website where we, she was a marketing agency owner, uh, looking after the sales herself, got a team delivering operational uh, fulfillment to a retainer clients, but she was handling all of new business. She was going out there and I think this might resonate with the audience right now. She was out there prospecting via LinkedIn, going to networking events, drilling the phone, trying to build more uh, retainer work out of existing clients, just trying to maximize every opportunity, but a lot of hustle. I went in there with her because I'm actually, um, I'm also, you didn't notice, I'm a digital marketer certified partner. So I've got uh, an accreditation over in the States with digital marketer, who's obviously Ryan Dice. Yep. So we met through that. Uh, she's also a digital marketer certified partner. So we, we met through that 
that that kind of uh, association and I've been working with them now for a month and within that month what we've done is we've created assets that have become evergreen assets in the marketing even though she's a marketing agency owner that you know the cobbler's son shoes normally the uh, the weakest right so she she wasn't necessarily doing a lot of things that she was doing for her clients in her own business so what what I've helped her to do is create assets create evergreen content videos things that people can digest and then link that into existing marketing channels, but with a better process for pre-qualifying leads at the back end of that process in the back end of that funnel, and then giving a much more structured approach to qualifying opportunities and having a effectively like a one call close when it gets to agency uh, services and offering a more of a premium service in, as, a, as a byproduct of that. So what, what we do now is she's not offering a low-level retainer anymore. She's going straight in with a, a one-day strategy session, which is about two and a half grand, which she'd never sold before. And within four weeks of doing that, we had that system up and running. We had the first client signed up for two and a half grand for a strategy day. Then they're now going to retain service. She's got loads more calls booked in the diary. And we're now looking at how we're going to bring in a salesperson to actually carry that on so she can step away from the sales day-to-day and focus more on client success, operational focus which is the stuff that she really needs to be getting involved and content creation which is clearly what's going to drive the marketing forward so that's the kind of process we've been through and it's kind of three steps it's strategy how do we align the sales process to the customer journey and and connecting that to the marketing to make sure that's aligning appropriately to the right avatar how do we use the right systems in the back end to pre-qualify to automate to follow up so that she's not doing all that heavy lifting and all that manual activity to get those opportunities through and wasting her time speaking to poor fit unqualified prospects and then the other part of that is the soft skills it's that what you say on the phone what to say on the email what to do in the presentation to make sure there's a structured approach to every single sales opportunity gosh do you know what i think um nick i you know i might have to invite you back at some point in the future just to you, you use some language there which i love marketing assets evergreen marketing assets and that's i'm a massive fan of that hence why i've got all the books and videos and all sorts of stuff, <laughs> and the podcast and whatnot so i think you're gonna have to come back onto the show at some point and we can talk we can do an episode on marketing assets because i think that'd be absolutely invaluable love to how you've leveraged it i mean why not why not do um you know i'd love to talk talk through that case study with you yeah Um, i think i think the listeners would really really benefit from that sadly sadly we've got to draw it to a close there yeah yeah cool so we've got um so serve to sell.co.uk forward slash guide yeah go and grab that free um free download there which talks about the whole sales process system they can drop you a line if they want to know a little bit more um nick it's been a real pleasure um having you on i think you've just um given us so much given the listeners so much value today so um thank you ever so much for coming on to the fearless business podcast it's been awesome robin thanks for uh, having me on it's been a pleasure 